Bibles today, I just want to start straight into uh, the Word this morning. Is that cool? Sometimes you build a bit of a story and you like to sort of share a couple of things, maybe have a bit of a laugh. But this morning I want to get straight into the Word this morning. Is that good? Yep. Here's what I feel I want to preach on this morning. And I've um, got it here. It's Isaiah 60, uh, verse 1 to 3. And you can open your Bibles to that if you want. We're going to move around a little bit in the Word this morning. It says this. It says, Arise and shine. Everyone say, Arise. Arise. Shine. Arise. For your light has come and the glory of the Lord rises on you. See, the darkness covers the earth. You don't really need to be prophetic to see that. You just have to turn the news on. <laughs> you just have to buy a newspaper. You just have to pick up your app and go on and see what's happening. And you know that there is darkness covering the earth and thick darkness over the people. And it goes on, but it says, but the Lord rises on you. What are you going to focus on? What's in the newspaper? Well, the God who's rising on you. The Lord rises on you and his glory appears over you and the nations will come to your light and the king is to the brightness of your dawn. Put up your hand if you're from a different country here this morning. Put up your hand. Look at all these hands. Thank you. Put your hands down. That's the word said. Nations will come to your light. See all the hands go up? Where are they? Here. The light of God is where? Here. Nations will come to you. I remember many speakers say that often before you go, uh, I was speaking to some itinerant ministers, they said often before you become international in your itinerancy, uh, the internationals will come to you. God will get you international one way or another. <laughs> Hold on to that word there this morning. You know, we've had some great messages spoken over this last few weeks. Pastor Wes has been sharing some really good messages and, and I may not have had them in the right order here, but he has these messages that God is for you, God is with you, God is in you, God is upon you. Have I got that right? Yeah, I have, but in the wrong order. So, okay, if I got it in the wrong order, maybe it's not going to work for you. So the position of God is that he is for you, he is with you, he is in you, he is upon you. But on the back of those messages, I feel God is saying to you this morning, it is now time to let God arise. If he is in you, he is on you, he is with you, he is for you, oh, that's really nice that you got that, and it's a reminder that you need that, and you need to listen to those messages. But I'm here to tell you this morning that God says time to let him arise over you this morning. Let him arise. Pray for him to arise in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes it can be a bit hard to pick up the ball when you start into the new year. Anyone struggling with that? No one, just me. Just, just obviously me. Okay, I get, sometimes you start the year and you go, man, I, I, you know, I might just want to continue Christmas on for another month. You know what I'm saying? Maybe work could start maybe in another two or three weeks. Maybe not this week. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in last year-itis. You know, oh, it's just the same as last year. Oh, it's just the same thing happening again. Or, or where from here? Sometimes we enter this year and we start to go, where from here? Well, what am I doing now? You know? And, you know, Jesus' disciples had the similar issue because they were there when Jesus died and they were there when he was buried. And it says that there was three women that went to see Jesus at his tomb to anoint his body with spices while he was buried in that tomb. But when they went there, Jesus was not there because Jesus had this tendency of ruining every funeral he ever went to. <laughs> Even his own. <laughs> But when they got in this room to look for the dead Jesus, there was an angel there, or a couple, and they said these words, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Because he is risen. And sometimes we have to, have to ask ourselves the same question. 
Why are we trying to seek our future that God has for us by holding on to dead thinking? When Jesus is alive, he's well, he's able, he's got back the keys for the kingdom for you. He's not, it's not what's not working or my lack or how am I going to do this? Because we don't look for life and dead things. And so today, this is a new day. A new season today is starting. And I felt God wanted me to preach today on this message called Let God Arise. Should we just pray this morning? Is that good? Come on, just bow your heads with me. Father, I just thank you. I just thank you that you're going to show people windows of hope today. Remove limiting thought of human design and inspire hearts to pick up the mantle again and run. Deliver hearts that need delivering. Restore hearts that need restoring and arise in lives today, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. amen, amen. Hey, now, if you've got your Bibles, turn with, you, with, you, with me to 1 Samuel 9. Pop over to 1 Samuel 9. And I have, actually, even just so you guys wouldn't even like get paper cuts, I've put it on the screen here for you. I think it's good to read from the Bible. But I want to share this morning about uh, a guy who we know really well in the Bible. His name's called Saul. And it's not the Saul in the New Testament who became Paul, but it's the Saul in the Old Testament who became king. He was the first king after a long period of what was called the judges. There was no kings for Israel, but there was judges. And Samuel was the last of the judges. And um, he was. Um, and there's a whole story about why it came to this point that they, uh, Israel wanted a king. But I want to read from the story briefly because it actually opens up the door to God arising in your life and the things that you need to see in place to see God arise in your life. Is that good? Come on. So let's have a look at this. Let me read this out. It says, so Kish, that's the name of Saul's dad, had a son named Saul, as handsome young man as could be found anywhere in Israel. I like that. It just had to be put in the Bible, didn't it? And he he was head and taller than anyone else. Handsome and tall. That's wonderful. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish said to his son, would you take one of the servants with you? Arise. Note that word, arise. Arise and go and look for the donkeys. But They couldn't find them. Let's just jump on to verse 15. Now, the day before Saul came to the Lord, revealed to Samuel something. This is uh, God talking to Samuel. He hasn't met Saul yet. He says, about this time tomorrow, I'll send you a man from the land of Benjamin. I want you to anoint him, uh, Samuel. I want to anoint him ruler over my people. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. When When Samuel caught sight of Saul, the Lord said to him, this is the man I spoke to you about. He will govern my people. Let's just stop there for a moment. Did you notice that there's this whole conversation that God is having about Saul with Samuel that Saul has no clue about? Did you notice that? Like, Saul doesn't know this is happening. How many times in your life will do you think God is speaking to people that can make a difference in your life that you don't even know that he's speaking to right now and you're thinking God's doing nothing? You know what I'm saying? Oh, God, I'm sitting here. I need a job. I need a house. I need money. I need this. I need that. Oh, it's all right. I'm over here talking to this guy. It's coming. Romans 8, 28 says, God works all things together for the good of those who love him. And if it isn't done yet, it's just that he hasn't finished working it all together. Okay, and the last little bit here. So Saul approached Samuel in the gateway. So Saul comes up to him and says, would you tell me where the prophet's house is? And Samuel goes, well, that's me. Go up ahead of me, says the high place, today you are to eat with me, and in the morning I will send you your way, and I'll tell you all that is on your heart. And as for those donkeys you lost, don't worry, they're found. It's interesting, Saul didn't actually ask him that, but he told him. And then he said this, this is where the conversation shifts, and whom is all of the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? 
And Saul answered, Why do you say this to me? For I am the smallest tribe of Israel, and is not my clan the least of the clans of all of Benjamin. Hmm. The last statement is interesting because low self-esteem has caused many people to lose sight of the greatness that God has actually got planned for you. Imagine if he went off with that statement. So I've got three things I want to share from the story this morning about how God is going to arise in your life and how you need to let God arise in your life. And the first point of actually God, if you're taking notes today, is this, is let God, what? Let him lead you. Let him lead you. You know, in verse 3, Saul's dad sends out his son, and it's actually a God-leading moment. He, he leads him out. He says, arise and go. Why didn't he just say, just go look for the donkeys? Why arise and go? Because in Isaiah 60, God says the same thing to the New Testament church, to you. He says, arise and shine. That is what you are to do. We're not called to arise and reflect what someone else is doing. Imagine if you were just going to be a songwriter and do other people's songs or write messages other people have preached. God says, I want you to arise and shine, to shine how he's created you to be. Not to postpone it, not to just reflect what someone else is doing. You know, this arise in the Hebrew is this word, kum. And it means this, it means to stand, to be fixed, to persist, to don't give up, to become powerful. I love this, to be established. To come on the scene. There's some people that need to come on the scene today. To be raised up. Maybe just, just Wes wants to come on the scene. That's okay. I heard Wes, he wants to come on the scene. No one else wants to come on the scene. You see, the arise in 1 Samuel is a declaration over a father to a son. But the arise in Isaiah 60, that's your arise. That is God's the father speaking to you directly. You, arise. You know, some people struggle with that arise. You know, because often our arise is a challenge, but in Psalm 68, it says, Arise, let God arise, and his enemies be scattered. If you don't let the, that means that if you don't let God arise, if you don't do that, you know what happens? It means the enemy gathers. Think of it like cockroaches. You don't let God arise, here they come. Horrible little things, you know. But when you let God arise, it says the cockroaches scatter. Doesn't mean that he's not going to throw a passing blow at you. Does not mean he's not going to speak against you and raise up others who may have a word against you. But it's, they're going to be doing it as they run. And so if you're feeling encroached, you're feeling like those cockroaches are on you, well, it's time that you let God arise in your life. Amen? Yeah. I want to tell you something this morning. The enemy actually is a liar, and he is scared. He is frightened of you because you carry the anointing that is on Christ. And the only thing the enemy can do, he cannot stand in the way of God's word over your life. Okay? He cannot stop it. He can only put a cloud between it of doubt and a lie over you. That's why I always say that behind your fear... Will God be standing right there? Anytime. The thing you are the most frightened of is the very thing God is calling you to lead through. This is part of your arise. The very fear you have is the arise he wants you to step into. I think it was Steve Backland who said, any area of your life that is not glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. You know, if there is a hopelessness in your life, 
that is just a sign that there's a cockroach there. There's a lie there. That there needs to be an arise happen in your life. I don't know if I'm preaching to anyone this morning. And I want to tell you something. God will fulfill every word that he has spoken over your life, but he is not obligated to fulfill your potential. Did you know that? Sounds a bit blasphemy, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness, not what you're talking about. He will fulfill every word that he has spoken over your life, but he's not, he's not obligated to fulfill your potential because your potential is your sovereignty. You see, Saul could have walked away. Hmm? You heard the last statement that he said. Oh, man, I'm not the least of all the tribes. He could have run. In other words, he has sovereignty. And in fact, when they went to find Saul when he was becoming king, if you read 1 Samuel 10, 22, it says when they looked for Saul, you know where he was? He was in the baggage. You know, when Saul was about to, Samuel was about to call him king and bring forth Saul, they couldn't find him. It says he was hidden in the baggage. And sometimes it's the baggage of our life is what we hide in. But if you read the story of David... The story of David, he knew about his potential because in 1 Samuel 17, 22, it says when young David went to take cheese sandwiches to his brothers on the war field, it said that he left his baggage with the baggage handlers. And so if you're struggling with a rise in your life, then maybe it's time to get out of the baggage and allow yourself to get that baggage to the baggage handlers. Amen? The baggage handlers, man, I went through a long season of that. Maybe you have to go see a counsellor. You need some truth in your life. I need my baggage to be managed. I don't want to be managing my baggage, thank you very much. I don't want my potential to be, to be, to, to be down here. I want to be aligned with where God has got me going. Amen? Yeah. Let God arise. Let nothing stand in the way of your potential this morning. Second point, I'm getting through this message. Next point, I'm letting God arise is do what is in front of you. If we listen to that scripture again, his father said to his son, he said, Saul, would you go and look for the donkeys? Now, is that a really high calling? I mean, honestly, you want to be a musician, you might want to be a preacher, you might want to be a speaker, you might want to run a great school, you might want to run a business, and then your great task that you've got before you today is to go and find a bunch of smelly old donkeys that really don't have even the ability to do anything apart from just make weird noises. And carry baggage. <laughs> yeah, just more baggage. It's the last thing I need right now. And I want to say, how many actually have that view in their life? All as I'm doing is just donkeys, just donkey work, menial tasks. But I've got this desire in my life to do something, but I want to tell you something. Did you actually notice that those donkeys, that menial task, was actually the marking point of uh, Saul becoming king? It was actually the beginning point? That that menial task that you think is just beneath you? Did you actually realize that it was actually a marker point of an incredible beginning? I want to tell you, friends, don't let the enemy lead you to believe that your labors, no matter how menial they seem, are leading you nowhere. It's just a donkey moment for you, maybe. Maybe you've entered the year on a donkey moment. I want to tell you, friends, that what you're laboring at is far more spiritual than you know. You know, Israel as a nation had this understanding that work was worship. We see work 
as sort of work. <laughs> you know, I, I can put some stuff around that. But we see worship a Sunday morning. But that's not how Israel saw it. Work was worship. Work was praise to God. They've got a scripture on that. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it as if unto the Lord. Because it's a sacrifice of praise. There's a reason God has you there. If you trust him, there is a reason, and he will lead you through that season. And I feel that God is wanting to take every gifting in, in this room, in this person, and understand that you, the moment you got saved, you no longer have a secular job. You are in a spiritual position. The moment you got saved, the moment you received Jesus, you went from being secular to sacred. Does this make sense? There's a shift that has taken place. I want to tell you something. When that happens, when you learn to worship where you're at, when you get to sacrifice your praise in that place, you start to separate the line that is drawn between the sacred and the secular. But if you go to your workplace and don't have that view, then you'll just be another secret Christian living a secular life where God wants you to arise. Am I preaching to anyone this morning? God wants that line of division drawn. He wants his Christians to be known. It's just another wall of the enemy limiting you to take hold of your arise. Is that good? Hey, maybe the musicians can come up this morning. Just slowly just tinker one in the background. I've got a third point that I've got here this morning. We've covered a couple of points, but the third point I've got this morning in this message is this. Let God tell you who you are. Let's have a look at this. Let's have a look at God speaking to Saul through Samuel. This is what God was saying. This is what he said. And whom is all the desire of Israel turned, if not to you and your whole family line? That is God speaking to Saul. That's a pretty big thing, right? You're the desire of a nation, your whole family line. But let's have a look of, this is how Saul saw himself. Oh, oh, you say such a thing to me. Well, I'm the smallest tribe of Israel, and am I not the least of all the clans? God's word, Saul's word. Do you see the baggage statement? God's word is uncluttered and no baggage. Do you see the separation? You see, this is, I believe, that Saul's view of himself was actually a family motto. I believe his father, Kish, put that in him. The reason I believe that is because he knew he was the smallest tribe and that they were the least. That was his identity and that was his motto. And maybe you've got an, a family motto and a family identity that you are the least and the smallest but it doesn't align with God's word over you. Hmm? I want to tell you something, friends. Belittling yourself is not humility. <laughs> it's stupidity. <laughs> Another word. I'm sure that word's in the Bible somewhere. It's not humility. When you feel overwhelmed, belittling yourself is not humility. Paul said this, he says, I die, da I die daily. I die daily. What does that mean? It means when I feel overwhelmed 
when God is calling me to arise, but I just feel like I cannot move or budge from anywhere where I was last year. He says, it's time for you to surrender. It's time for you to surrender. You know, in, in wartime, when you hang up a white flag, this means you've won. Enemy, you've got me. Do you know what I'm saying? But you see, in the kingdom, when you hold up the white flag, you have instantly gained the strength of God. Because my word says that in your weakness, his strength is made perfect. That when you surrender and you put up your white flag and say, I can't do this, I can't, I've been, I, I'm, I'm needing this, I'm need, I can't do it anymore, God, I just cannot. It's in that moment he says, oh, it's taken you a while to come to the end of yourself because at the end of yourself you can come to the beginning of me and when you come to the beginning of me, then I can rise you up so that you can become who you've been called to be. In your weakness, his strength is made perfect. So let's surrender some stuff to him today. The stuff that's stopping you from letting God arise in your life. Don't run, don't battle around those things, don't lash out at people. Stop letting your overwhelm become everyone else's problem. Surrender. And bring it to him. You know, I want to share a testimony here today. I'm just glad the music's there because I just feel like the presence sort of comes more when the music plays. Just, just stop playing. Oh. Do you feel like the presence has gone? Where did it go? You go, start playing again. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Look at that. It's back again. I want to share this story with you. You know, I've shared the story last year and I share it a bit because it actually was a very poignant moment in my life and it actually it shows a really key picture of God actually calling me into my destiny and calling. You know, it was about three and a half years ago I was going through an incredibly hard time in my life, incredibly hard. There was problems in church and challenges which I don't need to go into and I had a, a, an incredibly hard work challenge that came up. It was a, such a severe problem that um, I actually had... Um, uh, uh, around half a million dollars worth of very serious damage was done to a workplace through a series of events that some people were doing some really bad stuff. I can't really go into it, but just to say that. And I was managing this place, and, and, you know, and, I, and I had to spend probably the best part of six months working through this severe problem, doing 80 hours a week. Even I think one week I counted, I did 100 hours. It was just six in the morning, get up, uh, probably go to bed at midnight at night, sleep for a few rumbled hours, and then get up in the early morning. My wife would tell us in tears. I literally, she'd never seen me like this before. I was crying. My church place wasn't really going so well, and my, my, my home, my, my work life wasn't going well, and, and I was bringing that all to home to work. My overwhelm was becoming everyone else's problem. And I think the only reprieve I had, the only one I had, was that I would get out on the street and I would minister. And in that place, I could just find the presence of God would just flow, and I'd feel better. You know what I'm saying? And so what happened was this, I was, I was out on the street one morning, one day, and when I got out there, there was about a team of about 15 people over in the corner of the park, so I went over there with some friends of mine, and when I got over there, um, I went to minister to someone, so I ministered to this person, and they, um, they yelled out at me, they, they said, shut up, no one wants you here, go away! <laughs> and that really tore me, because 
that person didn't actually know what they were saying. They were on their own standing, and everyone turned and looked at them. I knew it was the enemy, but my heart was so broken. And now I suddenly went away from that encounter feeling like, well, now my place of peace is not even my place of peace no more. You know what I'm saying? How can God arise through that? Anyway, I went home that night, and I said, oh, well, I'm just going to go to bed and wake up in the morning. When I woke up in the morning, I sat in my car, and I was just thinking, I've got to face this day again. And then I sat there and I I remember Psalm 51 came into my mind, create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And at that very moment, I felt peace come in the car. And I had this thought that I'd go back to the park where that person yelled that abuse. I was just going to go back there. I wasn't going to go back to that park again for a long time, but I, I, I thought I would. So I drove straight down the hill. I went straight to that park, and I went to the same spot where that person yelled that abuse. And about six feet away or eight feet away was a woman sitting there, a young girl, maybe in her 20s. And I, I thought, man, she looks really unusual sitting here at this hour of the morning. It's like six in the morning. And so I went over to her and I, I asked her, I said, hey, look, I'm a pastor from Aspire. I just like to pray for people. And she said, well, I don't normally come here. She said, this morning I felt that I was supposed to come here. And I started to talk about Jesus. And within about five minutes, she actually bowed with me to pray to ask Jesus into her heart. You see, I want to tell you, friends, that the enemy, the moment of your breakthrough, the, the dogs of doom will always stand at the doorway of destiny. And from that moment, things started to shift in my workplace and my church place and every other place. And so God wants to arise in your life today, friends. And there's two types of fear, fear that keeps you from harm, but fear that keeps you from your future. And so God wants you to arise this morning. He wants you to arise. And the scripture that is over the day as I finish this morning, maybe you can just stand this morning. And maybe this morning I'm not going to get everyone to come up the front. I'm not going to open up the floor for, for, for this thing or that thing. I, yes, the, the, the front is always open for prayer. But this morning I just want you to look at that scripture. Maybe bring it on your heart. I'm going to read it out over you. Because I felt the call this morning was that God is in you. He's on you. He's for you. He's with you. And now it's time to arise. Everyone say, arise. So just bow your head and I'm going to pray that prayer for you this morning. I'm going to read the scripture over you this morning. Arise and shine for your light has come. For the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people, but the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. The nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And I felt my spirit that there was a couple of people who struggled with the word nations and a couple of people who struggled with the word kings. Like, oh, I could never be before a king. I want to tell you something, friends. The Bible calls you a king and a queen, a king in Christ. Kings is not just a reference to world leaders, it's also a reference to others who are called to the same kingship you have, to be saved ones. And there are many nations outside the doors of this church who come into this city. This is a tourist town. And so, Father, I pray and release the arise and shine over this congregation this morning. The arise and shine. Maybe just start singing, you guys. And as you just uh, spend this last two minutes just worshipping the Lord here this morning, I just release upon you the spirit of arise and shine. That when you leave here today, that you leave here with a fresh and renewed spirit to walk into the destiny that he's calling you to. To be willing to let God lead you. To do what's in front of you. And to let God tell you who you are and stop believing the enemy who is just a liar. 
Father, I thank you for speaking to people today. You're speaking to their hearts. You're speaking to who they are. Father, I thank you. There's a man down the back there. You have a beard. You have a, like a grey shirt and a green collar on. You're down the back. You're just uh, in the middle of the church. You don't have to look at me. You can just listen. But I saw a picture of you and there's a box. And I see you like cutting it open with a box cutter. And you're opening it up and all this sort of like... Um, um, uh, they're like packing, packing bubbles and things come out, they're like polystyrene come out and, and, and upstand someone. And I feel like the Lord says, I'm aligning you this year. This is going to be a year of shift for you. And I see um, someone coming out of this box for you. And I feel like the Lord says, I'm bringing alignment with you with someone and it's going to be in the area of relationship. And I feel like the Father says, I'm, I'm raising you up, I'm bringing you out and there's a new gift coming into your life. So I want you to prepare for that. There's a man here um, just uh, with a cap on. Uh, what's your name, man? No, but I, thought, I, I, couldn't rec- I couldn't recognize you in the dark here. Yeah. Uh, Father, I just thank you for this man. I just really felt like the Lord says, I really want to speak to you this morning, son. That's what I just really felt. I felt, and, and just come up afterwards, I just felt to encourage you uh, to come up because I feel like the Lord wants to impart something into your life this morning. You know, we've got some, uh, put, put, YWAM students, put up your hands if you're here. One, two, three, four. Good, excellent. You know, they've seen some healings on the streets. Did you know that? Hmm? Healings, good. You students, would you pop up here? Would you mind popping up? Well, Shane, you were right. Shane's a student. He's their director. He's a, but he doesn't. You know what? Because we've seen healing on the street, that means that there is healing in the house. Amen? When there is healing in the streets, there is healing in the house. So I want you to bring your need to the sup here this morning. You might have an emotional healing. And it may not be for you. It may be for a son or a daughter. I want you to bring it up. I want them to pray because they prayed for strangers and they got healed. And I believe Jesus can heal you this morning. Amen? But if you're still going to the doctor for your sickness, but you're not coming to the doctor Jesus, then why are you going to your doctor and you're not coming up for prayer? If you keep going to your doctor but not coming to the house...